Serenissima, New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, the FinFab channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane Age. New day, new show, new topic, new guest. Our guest hails from Canada, uh, and we were just joking about the weather out there. It's uh, minus 20 degrees Celsius there, right? So it's pretty freezing out there. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't complain. I mean, I have 37 degrees weather here, so in the Jersey side. But, but our uh, you know, guest today is also a fellow podcaster, and he has his own shows and stuff. And, uh, but his story is unique, and we wanted to bring it out to the audiences here because um, he, uh, he's into nutrition in, in, in you know, weight loss uh, you know, systems and things like that. He has his own method, his own you know, style, and his own company, and we're going to talk about all that. But he also has a unique story. And his story began a while back <laughs> in a different country with something that is almost horrific. And we're going to learn about all that stuff and his journey and what got him to where we are today. So without any further ado, as always, you know, I, I go a little crazy, but it's, it's, it's time. We are with us, Jonathan <laughs> McLernan, and, and he will tell us a little bit about his story. So Jonathan, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. How are yeah, you doing? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing awesome, man. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I wish the weather was as warm as, as my Zoom background makes it look. I but, was uh, just going to say that. I mean, <laughs> we, we talk about minus 20 degrees and you got a nice little palm tree behind you with some nice waves out there. I love those Caribbean looking, you know, waves. Oh, there. yeah, oh, yeah. Man. You and I together, we can hop on in a cruise ship and, and head down, down there. Well, let's nice. just do the show on a cruise ship instead, you know? <laughs> hey, listen, I hold you to it. We can do a double podcast right from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I've had like a quite a very background. You know, I was a nanotechnology researcher um, at University of Victoria. I was a marine engineer for six years in the Navy. I've been a four-time entrepreneur. I've, I've had two businesses fail. I've been a globetrotting English teacher, a power line technician, and heavy equipment operator in the oil field. So I've done all of these, all these different things. And I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, if you'd have told me 20 years ago, this is what my life was going to look like, I would have said you're nuts. Um, but it was about 10 years ago, I started traveling around the world with my wife and uh, when we were living in South Africa, I went through an experience, a traumatic experience, and I don't mind sharing about it. But uh, in short, I was nearly beaten to death. The result of that was I, I was not equipped to deal with trauma. Uh, I, I don't know that anybody really is, truthfully, but I, I turned to food as my coping mechanism, not necessarily deliberately, but it was just that was like the, the impulsive response. And so I'd say like before that, I would have said that I, I thought anybody who was like overweight was like maybe lazy or, or undisciplined. But after I started having my own struggles, I really, I became this binge eating food addict. I, I started to get an entirely different perspective on it. And then I find myself wading into this world of like, you know, weight loss and, and diet culture. And, you know, most of my life, I hadn't really struggled with my weight. And all of a sudden 
I say all of a sudden, but it took place over probably a number of months. Uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm 330 pounds. I'm like, what the heck happened? How, how did I get here? You know, so it was, and now I've got to try and start losing weight. And, and where do you start? You know? Wow. Well, well, Jonathan, first of all, thank you for, for sharing, you know, that brief story there, but, but I want to just highlight a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you said you lived in, in South, South Africa, which, which is a nice place, but unfortunately your experience was a little bit tragic there because yeah you know it almost took your life and i i, I you're right no one can plan for that and or expect it and probably is prepared for it if it happens for anyone listening i mean it should be you know something not to be easy digested <laughs> yes absolutely right? It is not something that we walk up, but you know what? We live in a life that you never know. Today is one day, tomorrow you wake up and you never know what happens, right? But yeah. first of all, we're glad to have you. We're glad to see you. Yeah. I'm glad to be here, there. you know? Yes, sir. And, and you know what? That's a great thing. And, you know, sometimes you look back, it happened. There's nothing you can do about it. Maybe now. And, and by the way, I know if you had to do differently, whatever the circumstances happened to trigger that, you could have probably given, and you, I'm sure you've given advices about people how to prevent having the situation you were in. And, yeah. and that sometimes is, is, is a key thing because, you know, you learn to, to deal with things differently. You are observant more. You are more vigilant out there. You're not going to get into confrontations and stuff like that because yeah. that's very common. We get excited when we're younger. You know, we're like, hey, what's up? What are you going to do about it? And then now <laughs> things can get challenging, right? But, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not saying that it was your fault, but I'm saying of that, course, yeah. that's very common where people get, it escalates. And then all of a sudden you're in a, a situation that it may be very difficult. Yeah. So, and that, that's a tough one. Uh, then also yeah. you, you talked about your, your, your jack of all trades. Technically you've done a lot of things and you have different <laughs> yeah. things, but you know what? That's a good thing. And I, I just want to take a moment. I mean, we have a full hour and we're going to talk about a lot of things, but you know, I know you also talk, talk about businesses and all that. And, and the fact that you've mentioned a couple of businesses that you've had, you've lost, you know, most people sometimes don't even start one. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know what? But that's the thing. You know, if you don't start, you know, and fail, maybe you may not fail. But if you do, it's OK. You did the second one. It didn't you know, stop you. Now you have your own again. Yeah, that's a good thing. And I think I just wanted to highlight that because a lot of people listening and sometimes they're like, hey, well, he's got a business. What's going on? Oh, he failed. Well, that's fine. That's fine. And we can, you can take us to that story as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, but so, so let's talk about that actually, before we get into the, 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 cause I, I do want to focus a little bit more on the, the weight loss and the transition. Absolutely. 330 pounds is a lot. <laughs> that's just a lot of weight. I'm glad I don't weigh that anymore to be fair. Yeah, well, so let's so, talk about those things. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had, so I had two business fail and, and um, you know, you're right. A lot of people will get discouraged after the first one. And, but I think I'm a serial entrepreneur. I can't, I can't help it. So I have another two businesses that I'm running currently. And I have another one in development because I think, uh, you know, real true entrepreneurs, we just, we see a problem and we want to solve it. So we're like, well, here's how I'm going to solve it. I'm going to create a business to try and solve this problem because that's really what business is. Um, but failure can teach you a lot. And I don't think we should be necessarily afraid of it. Um, I, I, you know, in, in one sense, what happened to me in South Africa, it, um, let's say it forced me to, to really look at life entirely differently. Like I was 29 years old at the time and I was very close to, to dying. And all of a sudden life looks a lot different than, than it did previously. And so maybe when we realize like how quickly life can be taken away from us, um, all, all these ideas we have around trying to play it safe, trying to be careful, trying to just, you know, toe the line and follow this, you know, standard path. Where everybody goes down. It's like, 
you only get one kick at this. And so you, you might as well take a swing at a thing that you're passionate about. And most people you, you meet that have like a successful business, it wasn't just like they started a business and started making a bunch of money. It was probably, a, you know, they tried one business, it failed. They tried another one and got, you know, a degree of success. That one failed. They had another idea and so on. And even the one that's successful probably went through a lot of growing pains and challenges as well. And so I think those who haven't been in business, it's hard, it's hard to picture, but business is not a walk in the park, even having a successful one. <laughs> well, no, thank you, John. And by the way, you're right. You know, it, it's, a, it's an amazing discussion. I always enjoy this part because first of all, people are scared of business you know, without going into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. They're scared not, they don't go into it because they don't think there is, there's, you know, an opportunity. They're scared of, of losing money. They're scared of the trial and all the stuff and whether it's going to work or not. But if you go in business, you need to know that it's a 50-50 shot. Yeah, the yeah. best thing you do, it's either going to go up or not. And you give it a certain time frame, whatever. You can keep at it and, or you can see that it's not working. You tweak it and maybe switch it to something else. But you're right. You try, you try. I've done the same. I've had multiples and I still I have a couple of run in and I'll continue. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But <laughs> I do want to tell this to everyone. Whether you have a business, you start a business or not, you are in business. Yeah. And I, I really want to say that to everybody. When you work for someone, you're still working for yourself. And by the way, if you think you're working for someone else, that's one thing, but you're really working for yourself. Everybody's working for themselves. When you join a company as an employee, you're not doing it because you want to be in the company or you love the company. Yeah, those are good attributes that you can add, but you really do it for your own self because you do it for mm -hmm. yourself, for your family, for, to, to generate revenue. It's the yep. same thing. And company is your, your background, your, your financial institution that supports your operation, but you are the operation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you absolutely. are Inc. You know, so, so at the end of the day, we're all in business. It's just that some of us, we use other people's money. <laughs> you know, some of us will go to real business and incorporate and then use a bank money or our own capital. And sometimes, and that's a better way using other people's money. And hopefully, you know, you get investments and you get stuff. But at the end of the day, you put your, your skin in the game and also you, you have more stake at it and you push you know, to the best. But if you fail, that is actually not failure. That is learning and mm -hmm. you move to the next stage. That's it. So I just yeah. wanted to highlight that since we talked about this, or at least you mentioned business, it kind of threw me on, on that realm yeah. right there. So, <laughs> Well, like I, I also, one of my businesses is mentoring online coaches. So I teach people how to build online businesses. And yeah, well, one of the core concepts that I teach is called start, learn, evolve you know, the, probably the first idea you have that you're really passionate about, that you love, that you're excited about when you actually test it on other people and say, you know, because remember business is about an exchange of value. Mm -hmm. Someone is not just giving you money out of charity. They're giving you money because they want, they believe they're going to get equal or greater value back for that transaction. So you got to test out on people and find out, is this something people would actually pay money for? And if they would, cool, you potentially have a viable business, but if not, okay. You know, then you, you adjust and you evolve your offer. I mean, I didn't start with freedom nutrition coaching. Um, I started with as, as coach John McLernan and uh, I started with an Instagram page and a Facebook page and just started posting information that was helping people and uh, put it out there. I said, Hey, if you'd like me to help me more, I've, I've built this program and it was called 80 days to awesome. You know, it was an 80 day program. And, uh, you know, I learned after running people through this program that it really wasn't long enough that the type of work that I do, people needed more time in it. So it became Lifestyle 180, this 180 day program. And even that has evolved into what I do now, which I call like brain driven weight loss. Really, we're working with people in an entirely different way and perspective when it comes to, to weight loss. But I wouldn't be here now if I hadn't started with 
I have this idea that I, you know, I want to, you know, take my personal trainer certification and nutrition certification and, and pair them together and make some kind of lifestyle business that helps people. And over time, I would learn this works, this doesn't, people like this, people don't like this, people bought this, they didn't buy this. And you just keep making adjustments as, as you go. Well, yeah, I mean, John, first of all, <laughs> I, I love the way you broke it down. And, and, you know, the fact that you coach these things also online, that's great. How to build a business online. And online is the new world. But it you know is, what? Yeah. It, it's funny you said something here about you know opportunities and and, and building, uh, you know, uh, salute like a solution earlier. You mentioned something about a solution for something for a problem. That is actually what every business is. They, you yeah. know, people see you know an opportunity and something that may be utilized, and they put it together. They work towards it. I mean, we're talking through Zoom right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's an idea about video conferencing, and Skype was one of the early ons. And yeah. they say, okay, we're gonna do something different, and they. Took it to the next level, right? I wish and I invested in Zoom pre-pandemic. <laughs> I know we would have been. We wouldn't be doing the show now, would we? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we would. We would. We'd, We'd still be doing it just just out of pure passion. We do that now, right? So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, but but that's that's the key, right? It's it's a solution, right? Uh, everything, every like I always say this, like people start business because they're going to make money, but it's also mm -hmm. because there is a need for whatever service or product. There's always an exchange of value. In, a, in, in forms of services yeah. or products and in exchange you get a little bit of a, uh, an income through it right yeah absolutely. And, and, and everybody wins and so well money yes. is just a medium money is just like a placeholder it, it in itself does not have inherent value it's somebody trades their time their intellect their expertise and so on and receives compensation this this medium which we call money and then they take that and then they give it to another person right in, in exchange for that person's time and expertise and, and products and so on and so forth. So, you know, we, we often hear like you go into business to make money and, and, and yes, that's kind of true, but I want to bring it back to, we go into business to solve a problem for people and we want to solve a valuable problem. One that people are willing to pay. If I could just Google an answer and find an answer in five minutes or five seconds, I don't really have something that anybody would value on the mm -hmm. same token in the world that I work in, in terms of weight loss, nutrition, coaching, there's there, you could Google a million meal plans that are free. I don't offer people meal plans. Why? Because they wouldn't value that for me. Instead, I offer them something they can't get from Google. It's not Googleable what I do. And so you want to think about like if you're you know for talking business and business ideas, you want to think about something like that. You, you don't want to have a Googleable business idea. You want to have something that somebody hasn't offered or come up with before or a new spin on something like that. I I love it, and that's actually the the right way to look at it. You're right. I mean, we live in an internet world, then everything is available. I mean, I, I literally a press of a button, you can see everything that's available. But you're right. You know, other businesses does, don't have you. <laughs> yeah. Don't have your formula, your experience, your journey, the reason behind all the, mm -hmm. so the passion that you have, they have different, I mean, there's, there's different programs. I've had different guests that talk mm -hmm. about nutrition and, and they all have businesses that they support, but they all have their own twist. And each yeah. one of them is unique. And each one of them has an offering and a value to offer to the people watching or listening and or servicing. So you're right. It's, it's all about, and by the way, good business is all about servicing and giving the value, yeah. the more value, the more customers. And that's it. Even the customer service yeah. pieces of value. My, so. You know, like I have like a few hundred five-star reviews on Google. Why? Because I love what I do. My, my clients, they, they see the passion that I have. And so maybe this is the other aspect of it. Now, it's one thing to say, chase your passion, but you know, your passion does need to be uh, monetizable if you want to make a business out of it. Otherwise, it's a hobby. 
but and so I recognize I have the privilege of taking something I'm very passionate about and I've turned it into a business. But in the same token, like my clients are incredibly satisfied because I recognize like they're the lifeblood of my business. Uh, they're not just handing me money on autopilot. Like I'm, I'm pouring my passion into them and working with them and empowering them and, and really helping them transform and change their lives. Well, but again, John, you said it earlier, you have an, an entrepreneurial type of, of personality. You're not afraid to fail and you, you believe in what you do and you definitely yeah. bring in value. So your passion is no longer a hobby and, and you can convert that into monetization, which is okay. Yeah. There's <clears> nothing <throat> wrong with that. That's the other thing. People yeah. are afraid like, Dude, listen, you can make money helping other people. It's okay. There's nothing, no shame in the game. You know, yeah, people yeah. do know that there's nothing for free in this world and you have yeah. to buy things. And and to be available to people, to give them the service and the value, well, you have to, to your point earlier, money, the time is valuable. So yeah. you exchange time and 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 your personal you know knowledge with folks that personal knowledge comes not cheap these days because you got to go through school and everything it costs money yeah yeah <laughs> and experiences all the stuff you've invested to learn and now you share ultimately there's no reason for you to be ashamed because some people are like oh my god i'm going to ask for this and we see this in sales i mean the world of sales people yeah, sometimes yeah. are afraid to ask what do you people need your service they willing yeah. to pay you just have to tell them why they should buy it from you <laughs> so i mean and so for anybody listening who who is maybe thinking about business or maybe is trying to start a business or or, or or trying to get it moving it's like in a sense a sales conversation is relatively simple you figure out where somebody's at that they don't want to be where they would like to get to and can you bridge that gap for them that in a way that they can't do themselves and if so you have something there because if they don't spend money on you, they're going to spend money on somebody else. And if True. they spend money on someone else, it might not be as good a solution. Well, again, but I'm not worried about what typically, typically me personally, I'm not going to be worried about where they're going to go. I just want them to spend it with me, but of you're course, right. Yeah. Unless I have something that's real and, and solid that they, I should be. And by the way, I love the concept that you said about sales because you and I can do a wholesale show here. <laughs> I have I have a whole a whole channel about sales world, so we can talk about sales inside out. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. my that's my true passion, you know. But 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 really, I mean, that's that's what I've been doing all my life, you know, uh, in the healthcare field. But but really, it's it's amazing, right? But you're right. Yeah, yeah. You summarize it a very simple way, and, yeah. and 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 people don't be scared, be encouraged. And sometimes, and by the way, there's a will, there's a way. Uh, yeah. Sometimes people are concerned, the money, this, I'm going to lose my job, I was going to pay my bills, whatever. You can moonlight, you can do the different things, you can stop part-time. You, you said it, you started Instagram and, and, you know, it took it to the next level. You can yeah. do all the, all the above. So just take your time and make it happen. Have a plan. I mean, I love entrepreneurship. And when I see it in somebody like, you know, I've got, I'm just thinking one client that I was in a mentorship call with earlier today, and we were unpacking his concept and creating basically like a flagship presentation that he could show people about his concept. And the more we dug into it, the more excited we got because we realized he was onto something. He had something valuable to help people and connect with them in a unique way. One of the, why I share that is because each one of us has a unique story, unique life experience. And you're going to hear a little bit more about my own story, my own life experience, and how that shaped why I'm doing what I'm doing today. If you have a story and every one of us does in the modern 21st century, our story becomes a part of our business and part of who we are and a part of our brand. And so we want to own that and celebrate it and share it to inspire, encourage, and uplift people. And Jonathan, it's funny because this whole, this platform that I'm talking from was also part of a journey and a story. And, yeah. and it started because I, I had a challenge thrown at me 
And I was told I can do this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So challenge now, accepted. <laughs> not only accepted, I think I think I I, I they, they they will be you know not feeling too good right now watching this, right? Those yeah, folks, yeah. right? But that's how it is, right? You know, it depends how you take it. You can just say, "Oh my God," or or you say, "You know what? Face it, baby. Let's do this." You know, I, but but you're right. So 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 that's going to take us to your journey. But I know yeah, yeah. I think I cut you off. You were going to say something. No, it, well, I just like to say all behavior makes sense. So even when somebody is quote unquote, like a, a hater or talking down to you, it, it makes sense why they're doing that. It doesn't mean it's a good thing, but if you know where they're at personally, it's a reflection of where they're at and how they see the world. It's not actually an attack on you. When somebody sees another person succeeding, they, they reflect on themselves and they go, what is my uh, like unrealized potential? What am I not doing with my life that that person is doing? And I resent myself for not doing it, but I feel powerless to do something. So now I'm going to attack the other person instead and try and tear them down and bring them down to my level to make myself feel better. So when you know that, that how that works, all of a sudden you don't get angry at these people. You kind of you feel compassion for them. Uh, and it's true. <laughs> it's amazing. That's, that's a big topic and it's happening a lot more yeah. these days. I mean, if you if you watch anything on the on the TikToks and all these these social platforms, <laughs> yeah. it's happening for real. You can see it. I mean, you read some comments on some of those posts and things like that from other people. Like, it's very simple. I, I always say this, and and I've I've read quite a few quotes on this. People who are doing less are the ones who are gonna criticize criticize you. Yeah. If they're doing more than busy, they're not into you. <laughs> they're doing their <laughs> yeah, own thing. Yeah. So, so unfortunately, that's the thing. So, like, listen, if you, I, I, I posted a, uh, a picture. It was, it, I love this, this thing. I, I found it on a Facebook, a Facebook post, and I, and I reposted it. But it was a simple thing: an empty room, and the moral of the, the empty room was like, this is the room where everybody that's paying your bills is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was more to it, but the concept is that everything that you go through. You know, these are the people that are taking care of it. Obviously, none of them. <laughs> so yeah. the, the, the sarcastic part about it is like, you know what? I don't care, you know, what people think. You do you. And, and that's the other thing. Most people live in what other people are going to think about us. Yeah. Whether you and, and if you present and you're thinking about like, what are those people thinking about me standing up here and just yapping away? Don't. You're there for a reason. And you can do this. You've been doing it and you're doing it. They're obviously watching you. Some can criticize. There's always someone that's going to sit in the crowd and then look at you like, wow. Yeah. And there's always someone that's going to be so hyper and excited and wants to like listen and you can see them excited. So focus on those people, right? But it yeah, happens yeah. in everything. But yeah. it's, it's a real, you know, um, it's, 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 it's it is an existing concept. People are sometimes envious and, and sometimes jealous. And to your point is because they have not done it. Why didn't I think about this? Why yeah. did this cat think about it? Why not? Well, he didn't. That's it. <laughs> now you can do something about it. Do something yeah. better. I always say this. If you don't like what I do, just do better. Yeah. <laughs> do at least the same or do better. I, and I'll follow you and I'll, I'll respect you. I don't have a problem. Yeah. But sometimes people criticize you for what? I'm doing something. The difference yeah. is there's, there's doers and undoers. So where, where are you going to be on this side and this side? That's all there is. At the end of the day, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, I, my concepts are a little kind of weird sometimes when I, I, I put them out, you know, people are like, uh, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm just, I, I got to a point in my life where I know that there are certain things that don't, I don't care anymore. Like you said, you had that experience near that experience type. I yeah. just had it to age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I realized that, you know what, there's so much nonsense that I don't have to deal with. People get annoyed. Okay, whatever. You're not paying my bills. 
I'm cool with that. I, I'm doing me, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, the, the great part about being who you are is you don't have to pretend. That's so awesome. it's it's the world of social media has allowed us to create these personas that are like uh, a projection of who we we think the world wants us to be or who we think the world wants to see us as. But there's so much value, so much power, so much autonomy in being who we are. And you know what? Not everyone's going to love you. And that's, that's you're, you stand for something. If people don't love you, those who then become fans of who you are, become passionate followers and appreciate you for the kind of person that you are when you have a strength of character. And so it's like we say, you do you be, be the person that you are instead of who you think people want you to be. It's a lot easier. I think that's a great advice. And I, I, I live by it and you so do you. And actually that's your signature. And that's the thing. You have to be unique, have your yeah. own personality, your own pitch. Like some people like, and we do the podcasts and, and the shows and people say, well, you got a different spin in your way. I, I do it different. It's a dialogue. We have a chat and we, we're having fun and really, but in the meantime, we're, you know, projecting uh, good insights to enlighten other people and maybe open their eyes to something new. And it's different. It's not like just, you know, a, you know, a, an interview, which is like boring one question and the answer and okay, close ended yeah, yeah. questions, move on to the next, <laughs> you know, and we can tap into different topics within the we're same We're having discussion. a conversation here. We're bouncing back and forth. I didn't think I'd be chatting so much about business, you know, but it's, it's also a passion of mine because it's a way to create a ripple effect. The reason I mentor other people in, in the realm that I work in, people would look at that and go, you're literally creating your competition. I'm like, no, there's enough people out there that need help that I can't I can't help all of them myself. And so one of the ways that I can create a ripple effect is to mentor other people and help them do what they want to do better. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I always say this too. You can help people be just as good or better. And mm -hmm. actually, by the way, a true leader, if you were talking about leadership now, because that is part of leadership, you know, you des design and develop other leaders just like you. And that's okay. They're not competition. You know, no. when you're afraid that people are going to compete against you because you're going to teach them, then you have some sort of a sense of not you're not sure about yourself and your potential. Absolutely. You can't you never have to feel that way. You're good at what you are. And people that actually even exceed you, if you teach them, you yeah. did a good job. You still get credit for it. And you should be proud of that. <laughs> the student becomes the teacher. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I have no problem. You know, I have no reason to fear anybody that I've. And by the way, knowledge is to be given. And that's it. And by the way, yeah. I know we didn't take off on the business side, but it just seemed to be a passionate you know, discussion. <laughs> so we keep it, but really it all relates to this. And now we talk yeah. about your story. So near that experience. Yeah. Boom. You, you see a whole new world. Now you, now yeah. you, you convert into yourself in a little bit and you just kind of like, Okay. So I, I went down a journey kind of through hell though. I'll say, oh, boy. because, because like trauma, a lot of people don't understand trauma. And, and, but when, once you've been through it, it's like my brain is permanently altered in a sense. And so I had to go, like, we have to process this experience, but our brain is trying to keep us safe. So one of the things my brain would do was it would relive the incident and say, if I knew this, I would have done this. Mm. It's the brain trying to rewrite what happened in order to try and say, well, this is what I would have done. It started to take back something that was taken from you. Ultimately, like the first step for me to kind of move beyond or break free from that experience was to actually forgive the people who did it to me. It wasn't that I saw them again. It wasn't going back to looking for them, trying to be friends with them. But I made a decision in my heart to forgive the people who did that to me. And I, I did that by, by first saying, what must have happened in their life that got them to this place where they thought this was a good thing to do, a desirable thing to do? You know, because maybe you've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people. 
In other words, those people who've gone through hurt and been damaged and been damaged by life tend to inflict that on other people. It's not to excuse their behaviors or say that it was good what they did. They're in jail for murdering somebody else. But ultimately, it's like when that behavior makes sense, it means that I can forgive them and move on with my life and no longer be in the grips of it. But the next stage of the journey was I became this binge eating food addict. That was how I kind of dealt with all of my emotional turmoil. And I gained a huge amount of weight. And then I started to hate myself because I felt like my body had betrayed me. Well, well John, I mean, that's a big deal because first of all, I love the idea of, of how you, you cope with it. I mean, the, the mental piece, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. the, the, the fact that you were trying to align it to, to, to justify it and, and, and justify the way to forgive and move on, which, to your point, what else can you do? I mean, you're not yeah. going to go fight with them and, and, and try to yeah. take, seek revenge, but you did your best, which is moving on and start a new leaf. But at the same time, you know, and, but the only way to do that is to kind of find the forgiveness. By the way, that makes you a better person. Yeah. <laughs> Trillion times more than, than the average person, because it takes a lot for a person to forgive. And most people are holding grudges day in, yeah. day out. It's just stressful. You don't need it. Yeah. If you recognize that forgiveness wasn't about setting them free, it was about setting me free. So now I can, you know, when I think about when I reflect on that experience, people might think I'm nuts, but I'm actually grateful for what happened to me. I wouldn't be where I am today doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't had to go through that experience. And then the years of struggles I dealt with, like the mental health issues I had to work my way through to get to where I am now. I say I've never met a remarkable person who had an easy life. It's in the struggle that we find what our true strength is. And we don't get there until we're tested to our limits. Awesome. But now let's talk about the bad habits that you, that you, <laughs> yeah. that you took. So, so you, and by the way, you're not the only one. I've, of I've, I've heard this, a lot of people under stress, trauma and things like that. Uh, they kind of close themselves up and, uh, yeah. you know, one of the things that they do, they, they basically have time and they try and they just start to cope with it. And an easy way to do this is sit down, watch TV, do things and just shove a lot of food to just kind of comfort yeah. yourself. We call and those before, emotional anesthetics. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny because it's easy to actually chow on things. And then be, before you know it, the weight is just, you know, literally accumulating fast. And that's the yeah. thing. Gaining weight takes no time compared to losing it. <laughs> yeah. So we have, I say we have a famine biology and we live in a feast world. So biologically speaking, our bodies are made to store fat. And it's the whole reason human beings still live on this planet is because we can store fat. It means we can eat food when there's an abundance, eat extra amounts of food and store the fat for later when we don't have food. The problem is in North America and most Western and first world countries, we have a constant feast. There is no famine coming. And so all we're doing is storing, storing, storing. And our biology is hardwired to have us look for food and to eat the calorie dense food and to get fat for the famines, but there's no famine coming. And so it's, it's like our biology has been hijacked by the modern world. And that's one of the challenges that we face in trying to, and this is why I talk about what I call brain-driven weight loss. It's like working with our brain the way our brain works, as opposed to how we, we wish it did or think it does. Well, Jonathan, you, 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 again, you hit on very valuable points here. One of them being in a society that we live in today, uh, food is abundant. Yeah. I mean, by the way, not on earth. I mean, there are countries that are literally, yeah. that have very little, you know, food available or access to food or good food. 
politics. Exactly. We have a lot of, you know, extra food sometimes in in these countries, but we also became a culture of of food and and just like hoarding food. I mean, look at the pandemic. I mean, you go to supermarkets like a tornado. I mean, hurricane hit them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like hurricane (laughs) went through there. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you know, these things you can't find food. You can people fight for things, right? And that's because people are thinking survival. But yeah, sometimes long term, but you know, just having all that stuff doesn't mean anything. I mean, if you know how to survive with the right quantities of food, you can probably rational use ration your stuff and, and live longer and things like that. A lot of these folks in other places and even historically, historically, right? People yeah. didn't have the access the access to the food we have today. They had natural yeah. resources. They would go daily and find their food, hunting, fishing, whatever. Uh, even yeah. in the market, it's all fresh daily stuff. But it, now we have these you know, humongous, you know, things that you can buy and you can store, you know, in, in a place. And also we have also a new culture, which is the snack culture. Oh, you know, man. You, you're munching <laughs> on things that you don't even need. You don't even know what's the ingredients. You just have those things. Right. I mean, from sweets to salty to all the different, you know, levels of things that are available to you. And it's good. It tastes good. It's nice. It's, you know, appeasing to the eyesight, right? But sure, yeah. it's very easy to to destroy ourselves and that's where today's society we have this obesity problem yeah we have yeah. all these things also technology as we've talked about in the various shows is not helping a lot of people are chilling home oh. there's no right. more <laughs> well when you think when you think again about how our brain works so our, our primal like animal brain what we want to do is we want to be safe warm fed and and that's and comfortable like that's what we want and we've we've done it we now have all the food in the world, like essentially we can eat, we, we produce enough food in North America to feed every single human being like 4,000 plus calories per day. Well, that's enough to make the entire population obese. We literally are throwing food away because we have so much of it. And so, but a lot of attempts to lose weight are literally fighting against our biology, fighting against our brain. We talk about snacking. Um, I, it's not that I don't ever snack, but recognize this. There's no biological pr- purpose or imperative to snacking. It's literally, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. And so I'm going to make that discomfort go away. And it's, it's weakening us in a sense. I don't, I don't mean to, uh, like, I don't want to sound like I'm too masculine in one sense, but it's, it's, it's making us weaker. This whole idea that I can't tolerate any discomfort. The thing that makes us like, you say, how do you lose hundred pounds and keep it off? Well, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Because I, the thing is a fat cell is a gift that keeps on giving. So I have all the fat cells in my body that I had when I was 330 pounds. They're empty and they've been shrunken, but they're still there. And the moment I start eating like uh, uh, an undisciplined toddler again, I start filling those fat cells back up again. So every day I have to contemplate these things and make decisions that line up with my values and my goals. So why I share this is because a lot of people, I think, get discouraged by how actually how difficult it is to lose weight and keep it off. And it's made more difficult, not because somehow we lack motivation, we lack willpower, things like that. But we live in a world that literally drives us to not move because our famine biology wants us to conserve energy. Hey, if I can push buttons on my phone and food gets delivered, I don't have to move. I live another day. That's our biology. And so you have to kind of become educated and aware. This is what I'm up against. All of this stuff, my, my primal brain loves. Problem is, long term, it's terrible for us. Well, we just have to adjust a little bit differently. We have to, to behave differently. I think the behavior part is the key. And, and we have to yeah. almost learn how to operate in this world in a better way, which sometimes unless you face it, you don't realize it. And that's the other thing. It creeps up on you. Yeah. 
you know, m- most of the people oh, yeah. don't realize that they gain in weight until it's it's what the hell just happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, so our brain is this really marvelous like computer in a sense. And and the way that I like to think about it is this, because one one of the so like I said, I mentioned this term brain-driven weight loss. And what I mean by that, the brain is where all of our behaviors originate. It's where they come from. It's what and so a lot of efforts to lose weight focus on external restriction. I'm going to put you in a straight jacket. I'm going to tie you. I could tie you to a tree and starve you and you'd lose weight. But the moment I untie you, if your brain hasn't changed, you're going to go back to your old behaviors that made you overweight. That's what's going to happen. So we have to work with the brain, the way your brain works if we want to succeed. So right now, if you're struggling with your weight, you probably have a bunch of automatic subconscious behaviors that you don't even think about. You walk into the kitchen, you open the fridge, you stare, just looking for something. And you don't even realize you're doing it. So we have to bring those behaviors into our conscious awareness. And then in the same token, we have to take a healthy behavior, a healthy habit, and repeat that behavior enough times that it becomes the new automatic behavior. And that's one of the ways that we talk about working with your brain, the way your brain works. Well, John, first of all, it's, it's pretty impressive the way you, you spin off on those things. But you know, if you realize that one thing is that it's the same behavior that starts the problem. <laughs> yeah. Because technically, you, you're doing the reverse way. And now you're just like, you know, almost hypnotizing to eating. <laughs> yeah. and, and you just do more of it. And, and it's, it's good, you know, it's comforting for a minute. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you're like, you, know, you can do and that's like, it has a reverse, like almost an adverse reaction. As you gain yeah. weight, you have reluctancies, you know, such as, you know, you can't get up and do exercise because yeah. now the exercise is difficult. Your knees are hurting. It yeah, aches. Everything's like, hips. okay. Yeah. yeah. So now you, it's, it's almost like it, it, it has its own phenomena whereby now the more you gain weight, the least you're going to be active. And therefore yeah. it causes more of the weight gain. And now you're in this vicious cycle and you can't get out of it. And that's a problem. That's one. Of the, so I, I talk with my clients about uncovering what we call an emotionally compelling reason. So this is a really important piece if you want to lose weight. So I'll give you an example. I still have the brain of a binge eating food addict. In other words, the things that happen to me when I'm traumatized, those urges and those impulses are still there. And they probably are for the rest of my life in the same way that an alcoholic um, probably has to abstain from alcohol for the rest of their life. Now, I can't abstain from food, obviously, but I have to, I have to live with this realization that my relationship with food is different than someone who's never struggled with food addiction. Mm-hmm. And so I make, I call it making peace with my, my biological reality in a sense. And so some of us, it's like, Hey, the biological hand you got dealt well, Hey, maybe it isn't fair. Maybe it isn't ideal, but when you kind of make peace with that and go, this is my reality. So now let's just say I walk into Costco. Let's go back to this emotionally compelling reason. I walk into Costco, this big warehouse store that sells giant servings of everything, you know, and back pre pandemic, they used to give you samples of everything to get you to buy more food. They do now. <laughs> yeah, right. So you walk past, I would, let's say I walk past this big old bag of potato chips, Maui sweet onion. It's this purple bag and oh, it's colorful. And I just look at that bag and my brain goes, damn, mm. I'd like to eat that entire bag of chips while watching Netflix, doing nothing, right? I would love that. My brain would just be in, in bliss. But I realize if I start doing that, I become obese again. Now I have a son and he's nine months old. This, this little fella loves to move. And I think to myself, I don't want to be a sideline dad. In other words, I don't want to have to sit on the couch and go, hey, Bubba, I'm sorry I can't come play with you because I can't get down on the ground. And if I do, I can't get up and literally watch my son's life pass me by. I want to be physically present. I get on the floor with him. I wrestle with him. I play with him. We tickle. We have it. He loves that sort of physical interaction. And so my love for my son is stronger than my desire to say, 
binge on those potato chips. So we have to recognize it's coming. It's not coming from a logical part of our brain. It's coming from an emotional part of our brain, which is much more powerful. We act on emotion and justify with logic. Well, John, I love the, the, the way you, 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 you used the concept or the example of your son. You see, you use it also a, a tactic here. It's a strategy. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're making sure that your brain understands that you have a purpose. You know, so you're substituting your addiction with something that's better, which is yeah. the love of your son and the activity of your son. And that's a that's a good technique that people should apply. Like, what would be the 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 substitute? You know, yeah. you know, and, and and find something that's gonna give you the motivation not to do that. And, and I think I think that helps, right? And it could be just I want to look good. I want yeah, you know, for someone hey. who's not married, maybe I want to date. I don't know, someone's married. I you want you, you want to date? You, you want to get more action? You want to <laughs> exactly. you know? Whatever you want to get back case. at your jealous ex? I, like whatever it is, you find that something in you, and I don't care what it is, but whatever it is, it makes you want to be. So to lose weight is uncomfortable, right? But oh. so I use the example of my son and say, like for example, when I'm when I'm like tickling him or something or blowing raspberries on his belly, and he starts giggling. That is like the greatest thing. And if you've never, if you've never experienced like a baby giggling in your arms, there is like nothing better in the world. Like there's no food in the world that can compare with how it feels. So you're exactly right. In the, in a sense, instead of trying to go cold Turkey and just ignore the, whatever it is my brain's looking for, I find it somewhere else. And also it means that when I say no to say binge eating on pizza or something like that, um, I'm saying no, because I'm saying yes to something bigger and, and more important to me. Well, they're, they're excellent. And there is, there's a few things that people can look into. I mean, the first one that we all, I mean, those are, you had something to look forward to, right? Yeah. And you're right. I, by the way, I do relate to, to you. I, I didn't gain hundred pounds, but I did gain <laughs> about 60 pounds yeah, yeah. at a time in my life where I couldn't even walk up the, <clears throat> the, 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 the stairs. Yeah. My knees were hurting. That's how you know, bad it looked. I mean, the weight was distributed decently enough, but I know that I was, I'm a 36 and I was a 42 size yeah. fence. So just to give you the, the, the and, and most people don't even believe that I've been through that phase, but I did personally. And one year I gained that much weight and I went from 245 to 180. Nice. And so, so that was, that was, that, so I, I can literally, I know exactly what you've been and I did it. My, it was not trauma. I was just like lazy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, that happens too, right? Real, real life happens. We go through a pandemic, but you know, having a reason to make that change it gives you a reason to be willing to be uncomfortable. It connects meaning to the action. So for example, saying no to like extra beers and wings with the boys, for example, well, there, if there's a meaning behind that, it's, it's, you're willing to do it, but if there's no meaning behind it and it's just like, well, this is uncomfortable. Well, you're going to say, screw this. And you're going to go and do it anyways, because you have no, no reason not to. And so that's why, so you really have to connect that reason inside of you, why you want this. Cause when you do, that's, what's going to help you get through those difficult times. Well, you touch on discipline, right? Uh, that's a big deal. You have to, it's, it's going to be hard for everyone. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard. Well, even when you work out, let's say, and I, I've been actually doing all that and all, but you know yeah, what, yeah. while you're doing this, you still have to observe what you're eating. Uh, mm -hmm. You're right. You, you hang out and you know, it's a nice little, like I work, we go to these dinners and luncheons and most people are getting a lot of stuff and you got this small plate with a few things in it, and they look at you yeah. like, what's up with you? Hey, listen, I'm, I'm watching my waistline. <laughs> yeah, and, and, because I way, like having a smaller waistline. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to change my wardrobe, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a problem. Like you mentioned, like your weight goes up and down. Now you have to go shopping again. <laughs> that right. costs money. There's a lot of stuff, right? And that's the other thing. I use that also. Personally, I use that. Like, I do not want to keep changing my wardrobe. I mean, I buy the same size. I don't want to buy extra size because 
That means yeah. I have to fade my clothes. So that means that's that's a that's an actual motivation for me to stay where I am. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes it's it's hard, but but you have to find a way to work your brains to do what you need to do, and it's not hard. Sometimes you have to also align yourself with people that will motivate you. Yeah, and not the other way. If you hang out with everybody that just likes to to chill and drink and eat. Well, there's a good chance you're going to get very easily persuaded. You, you, yeah, you become like the, you become kind of like the, what's the word? Like, like amalgamation of the five people you're closest to. That's it. So, you, you become them. I mean, you're part of it. I mean, that's what it yeah. is, right? It's, it's your, your environment, entourage. And likely in the same way happens if you hang out with people that, that have fitness and diet and they know they observe yeah. it. Now that could be also bad. Some people are extreme in both sides. Oh, sure, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, but but at the end of the day, you need to know that balance. Yeah, and and here's here's another thing. If you want to work with your brain the way that your brain works, think about the environment you create as well. So go, I'll go back to my Costco example. Well, let's say that my wife one time she bought this bag of it's like you know three pound or four pound bag. You know, big Costco bags are you know of of M and M's like peanut family M&Ms. size. Yeah, family size in air quotes. <laughs> so she buys this giant bag of peanut M&Ms. And part of my brain is lighting up like a Christmas tree, like a kid in a candy store being like, oh, I wanted to demolish that entire bag. Now, if I was to put that bag on the counter or pour those M&Ms into a bowl and put them on the counter, every time I walk past, I'm going to grab a fistful of M&Ms. Why? Because they're there. And so instead, what I do is I take it and I put it in the bottom of my pantry and I put a bag of flour and a jar of pickles in front of it and I shut the door. If I want to get to those M&Ms, I know I have to get down on my hands and knees to get down to that bottom shelf and move those things out of the way. And then, so I do sometimes eat them, but I like, I have to work for it. And that means I have to consciously think, do I want to do this? And so the people who appear to have the best willpower are the ones who don't test it. It's you, because I could put it on the counter. I could walk past a hundred times and 90 time, 99 times in a row. I say, no. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, you have 99% successful willpower. That one time you, you, you break down and you give in. You think my willpower's failed or I have no willpower. It's like, no, you just tested a hundred times when if you just put it out of sight, you don't have to test it a hundred times a day. And I call it, don't run on a sprained ankle. Like if something is a problem for you, just like you wouldn't say to an alcoholic, you know, you know, keep a six pack in the fridge, you know, make your life easier for you. Yeah. You have out of sight of the mind. Right. Yeah. But, but also, I mean, it's, 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 the idea of if you see something all the time and it's in front of you, you're going to probably touch it. If it's not there, it's not going to be there. But you're yeah. right. Like the, the you eliminate the risk yeah. <laughs> by removing it, period, and now. And I actually, I, I used, I had a, a situation similar for my kids. They used to like to crunch on things. Okay. I mean, they're, they're yeah, teenagers yeah, yeah. now. So at a point in their life, they were just like, they love snacks. So I actually stopped buying snacks, period. Yeah. No snacks. Dad, you don't buy anything in the house. Well, you want the healthy <laughs> stuff? We have we have the healthy stuff, but none of that junk. Yeah. Uh, you know, every now and then, you know, you buy a couple of, you know, bags of chips, whatever, and they go through them quickly. And yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, if you, the more you have, they're just going to keep doing. That's the yeah. other thing. And again, you're right about those sizes. You start a bag, it's over. You start here. By the time you finish the movie, <laughs> it's no more bag and you get another one, right? Oh, it, yeah. It, it, and by the way, we see this in the movies, you know, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the giant tubs of popcorn, they're like industrial sized buckets of popcorn. <laughs> like it's literally, you know, you could probably feed four people with it. And but you eat the entire thing because your mind is now tuned out because you're tuning into the movie. Well, I want to just that's funny because you said that because 
I, this is a true true story and it's a yeah, joke yeah. so so i go to to the movies like well before the pandemic i was like an addict I, literally i was every friday we had date nights that yeah that's that's what we want hey having date nights is a good thing man yeah yeah well, well so i mean the movies was a good place dinner and movie that was that was yeah, like yeah. the traditional way but here's the thing so i go into this place right and i order a kids meal <laughs> so everybody's looking at me like everybody's going back i'm getting the kids meal which is a small little bag with a small drink and that's it and i walk yeah. So for me, I'm servicing my craving to have a yep. little bit of popcorn, but I am limiting myself to the excess. So, yeah. and I know that little thing is not going to do much because I've done my exercise, whatever. So it helps. Sure, so again, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can still enjoy the things, but you have to plan things. You have to work a system that yeah. can help you. <clears throat> Absolutely. And here's what I would say is like, eat a little more slowly. Like you want to make that last <laughs> the whole movie. You got a smaller container. Like my wife is like, the, the champ, the world champ at like eating an ice cream slowly, it, dry, it used to drive me nuts because I, I was like a, I was a binge eater. So I would eat like, I would just gulp food down and, and she is sitting here slowly savoring it and enjoying it like one lick at a time. So yeah, you get that smaller portion and you want to make it last longer, eat it a little bit slower. And, and so here's the issue that I kind of have with snacking. You were given that example, you buy, you buy the chips, your kids, they disappear real quick. And so because uh, I think every time we go to eat something, we open the door to overeating. And so the more times you open that door in a day, the more likely you are to overeat overall. This is not to say don't have treats. So here's my rule of thumb around treats. And you can, you can take, you, you don't have to use this, but here's, here's one that works for me. Let's say I want to eat some chocolate. I will put that chocolate at the end of a meal instead of between a meal as a snack. Here's why. Now I've eaten a meal. It's got protein, vegetables, carbohydrates, a healthy meal. It's nourished me. I feel full. Now when I go to eat that chocolate, I'm not eating chocolate to satisfy my hunger. So I'm not going to overeat. I've already met my body's need for nourishment. So now I'm only eating the chocolate purely to enjoy it. So now I'm going to enjoy it and I don't have to overeat it because I'm not eating it to satisfy my hunger. Well, that, that's an excellent opportunity there people to just realize that you're right. Because when there, there's another thing, like I, I eat, I don't drink a lot of food while I eat. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, drink, I don't drink water, a lot of water while I eat. So yeah. I wait until I, w once I eat, I drink water, right? And as I drink water, you know, I have enough, you know, between the food and stuff. So my stomach is, is decent. So they, mm -hmm. like, you feel like you don't need anything else, right? Yeah. I mean, then to your point, if you have that extra dessert, you're not going to go crazy in a big slice or anything. You're going to get a little sample. You taste it. You get that, those buds, you know, happy and you're out of there. Right. And that's the thing on the flip side, if you do eat snacks and you're hungry, you're just going to keep eating because you want to feel the stomach, you know, and feel mm -hmm. that I'm not hungry anymore. But now you're taking thousands of calories. Yeah. In, in a very small quantity of, of, of stuff that is not serving you well, and then you're still hungry. Now you're going to catch up with some real meal, and now you double yeah. your calorie counts for the day. So uh, th you, these are things that are common, and people know these yeah. things. Do you, um, in, in Canada, we have um, a donut chain called Tim Hortons, and some of them have oh, come into the US. Oh, I love those. <laughs> okay. So they have Timbits, which are like the donut holes, right? The little donut balls. Mm -hmm. So you can order like a 10-pack of Timbits, or you can order a 50-pack of Timbits. So what's crazy is you eat that little donut hole, that little, mm. that little donut ball, and it's delicious, but it, it, it doesn't feel like you've eaten anything. But that little donut hole has 100 calories in it. You eat, you eat 10 of those, you've eaten 1,000 calories. You eat 20 of those, you've eaten 2,000 calories. You could eat 50 of them, and you still wouldn't feel full. You might feel a bit sick at that point, but you could, you've just eaten 5,000 calories, and your stomach does not feel full. It's crazy how many calories you can pack into a tiny little bite of food. 
you're right. Well, here's the thing, like talking about donuts. Yeah. Two donuts, two donuts. I mean, typically is nothing. They're fluffy and they're light. Sure. But when you look at the count, calorie counts, they're about 700 between this. I think the <laughs> yeah. lowest in Dunkin' Donuts is like 300 calories. So, Great. Yeah. So you get one of those filled ones and chocolate tops and stuff. You talk oh. about 400, 500 calories in each. So you get a couple of those. That's a thousand four. It depends on your size. That could be it for the day. <laughs> that could be, you know, half your daily yeah. calorie needs. Well, in for two you donuts. and me, maybe. But yeah, someone yeah. <laughs> that is maybe... Uh, like uh, smaller ladies, for example, sure. they count as less and yeah. you get that. Forget it. The weight is like there. And that's how you, get, you know, put it up, you know, some compound weight easily because and that, there's another thing to this. We have breakfast, we have yep. lunch, we have dinner and we have snacks yeah. in between. Now, most of the people we do this because society had told us to do this. To be honest with you, I don't believe in that system. Personally, I have sure. breakfast and a late dinner. I mean, late lunch. That's it. That's yeah. me. Again, I mean, I'm not telling people to do it and it works for me perfectly. I'm good with it. Right. It maintain, I maintain weight. I don't have to work out and I still have to I keep my weight up and yeah. down. Right. But so you have to find your body's needs, you know, formula and do it. Now this takes me to the, the, I know we haven't gotten to the point. How did you drop it? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so, so let's so talk about the, that. <laughs> yeah. That's the question everybody. And, and I think when people hear this question, what they want to hear is like, Oh, I started eating keto or I started yeah. fasting or I went vegan or whatever it is. They want to hear some prescriptive template. And the truth is it's not quite as simple as that. Well, in one sense it is, it is that I learned self-compassion and most people are going to hear that and go, what the heck? What, what does self-compassion have to do with weight loss? So the real issue here was I hated myself and I was, I hated who I'd become. I hated my body and eating was a way to try and at least uh, numb those emotions that I felt in order for me. So I tried keto. I tried vegan. I tried fasting. I tried, you know, paleo, Mediterranean, all these things. They were this outside in approach. It was trying to put these external rules on me to force change to happen. The real change that had to happen was on the inside, this inside out approach, focusing on my, my mindset, my identity, my habits, my beliefs, all these things. As they changed, then my external behaviors changed. And as my external behaviors changed, then the weight loss started to happen for good. Because I joke that I've lost like 600 pounds because I've lost and gained weight so many times over. And so if you really want to, because if you want to lose weight and keep it off, you actually have to transform. In other words, you have to become a different person. You can't be the same person. So a diet tells you, I'm going to put you in a straight jacket, say for three months. When you achieve the weight loss, we're going to take the straight jacket off and you're still the same person you were before. You're going to gain all the weight back and more, except now you've just wasted a bunch of time. And so when we accept that, we actually have to become a better version of ourselves if we want to lose weight and keep it off. And that's what we call it transformation. And so that's that really, you know, it's probably not the most satisfying answer because it would be easier to say, oh, I cut out sugar or, or whatever it is. But the truth is I had to do the internal work. And that's why I do what I do now with my nutrition coaching. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I it, it's a big concept and people, you're right. I mean, that, listen, diets work, you know, but they, they all have different purposes and their mm -hmm. timeframes. The question is, are they consistent and how long can you maintain them? I mean, that that's the key. Most people eventually give up, you know, their diet mm -hmm. protocols. And, and, and so when you do, 
the next thing that your body does is like revert back to to a culture that there probably was before. And then you wind up gaining weight and beyond that. And then it's the same. So it's yo-yo. Like I I had a show about, you know, yo-yo diets, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's very common. So we're not putting down any diet format. I mean, to each his own, it works. They all work. But you have to understand your your personality, your body, and have have a contingency plan to when that program ends. (laughs) What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. um, Like if if your diet has an expiry date, so do your results. In other words, if, if, if you only are going to temp, because why I take a stand against like diets as a, as a kind of a rule of thumb is a diet says, I'm going to temporarily change my behavior to get a permanent result. And that's not possible. So, you know, uh, for example, I've created this program that's called lifestyle 180. It's this 180 day program. And so instead of like the strict food rules, the restrictive meal plans, the expensive supplement regimes and so on, that's unnaturally trying to force weight loss to happen. And then, you know, I, I bump into like so much like terrible coaching, you know, there's judgment, there's shame, there's coercion, all this kind of stuff. So I, I said, we need a different approach. This is, remember we were talking business earlier on, you have to come at a problem in a different way. And so when I created Lifestyle 180, I said, I want to, I want to connect three things, the science of metabolism, because that matters, the, the, the actual physiology, but the psychology of behavior change, because we have to understand how our brain works and where our behaviors come from, and then the compassion of human connection. So human beings are herd creatures. We talked about, you know, you become the sum of the five people you're closest to. So whoever we connect ourselves to, now, if we're going to create change, we need compassion because we need to remove judgment. And that's just, that might be a hard thing for people to hear, but judgment makes you retreat and hide your behavior. Compassion does not say your unhealthy behavior is okay. That's not compassion, but it says, let's understand your behavior. And in understanding it, we can create change. And so I look at it like this. If we're going to build a new healthy lifestyle, I can't give you the rules because what works for me may not work for you. So instead we're going to work like two experts collaborating towards a common goal. So I bring my expertise in nutrition and change psychology, but you bring your expertise in yourself, your life experience, your personality, and so on. And together, I'll give you a principle and say, okay, we're going to try and implement this into your life. Here's a starting point. As you try to make this happen, you're going to figure out where it works, where it doesn't, where your triggers are. From there, we adjust. Ultimately, what you're doing is I'm empowering you to shape your own lifestyle. So at the end of the time that we've worked together, instead of me walking away and you collapsing and falling to old habits, because you have actively played a role in creating your healthy lifestyle, it now sticks. And that's, I think, I haven't heard of anybody else taking an approach like this. And by the way, I love it because, because you know what? It is not a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. It, it is adaptable yeah. and it, it kind of touches on a lot of things. And, and one of the key elements you just mentioned that I think people have to be aware of is very simply metabolism. Mm-hmm. You know, people are different. Their, their bodies are different. <laughs> their anatomy is different. It depends on your gender, your age. You know, many things, your culture, a lot, your lifestyle, a lot of things impact why and how your body operates. And so it's not for everyone the same way. So so yeah. we can all have a concept that's similar, but you have to adjust it accordingly. And that's the other thing. Do not expect someone who is maybe in the 20s and 30s to behave the same way as someone in the 50s or the 40s or yeah. even the 60s. Your body is not the same. I my body has <laughs> transformed over five decades, and I can tell you. Well, I was thinking you're in your thirties. <laughs> oh, I t- I'll take you. Know, yeah, twenty one. Twenty one is better. Yeah. I'll take <laughs> yeah, let's go have fun. <laughs> we gotta celebrate. But but yeah, you yeah. know, but but it's all in the mind, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. But but you have to. You you do realize that. Mm. I mean, like like 
I literally, it's a, I had a joke last Friday. I was working out and I, I popped one of those, uh, like on, on my calf muscle, it just popped up. Something popped up Ooh. and it was cruel. I mean, I was, it was, it would, if it would, if it would have been on, on a video or TikTok, whatever, it would have been viral. I mean, literally I jumped, I fell. It was just nasty, but it was oh. fun. My wife was laughing, <laughs> but, but I can tell you, and, and the first thing I came to is like, damn, you know, 50 is not good for me because now I feel pain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I realized that it's because it's not the same. Now I got to do more warm up. I got to do stuff. And I'm I'm very active. Yeah. But but this the second happened to me. And I realized that I have to change my protocols to do to do my exercise stuff. I have to be more careful. You know, just yeah. back in the days you jump and do things. Body is not going to do the same today. So the yeah. same, similarly for your your diets and how you yeah. your your fat, you know, is burning through your body and things like that. It is not the same for everyone. Yeah. And we have to be aware of that and, and be willing to adapt to it. Absolutely. And metabolism is a funny thing because metabolism is dynamic. So what it means is it adjusts to the instructions you give it. So your metabolism is not broken. Let's say when you're I'm trying everything and I can't lose weight. Probably what's happening is if I could call it this way, you're like psychologically dieting. What I mean by that is in your head, you're constantly obsessing about food and weight loss and restriction and so on. So every day is depleting your mental energy. So what you think about is I have to lose weight 24 hours a day. Well, no wonder you feel like you're dieting all the time and nothing's working. That's exhausting. But what's happening in your head is not necessarily translating into behaviors in the real world that match that. And so then we develop this kind of cognitive dissonance where it's like, I'm trying so hard. And it's like, you're trying so hard in your brain but your actions are not matching what's happening in your brain. There's a disconnect. <laughs> I enjoy that. That's fine. It, it, but, but again, you are breaking it down to the science, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and it's as, as clear as that. I mean, we just need to understand what's happening and we have to be willing. That's the other thing. You have to change the way you, see, you, you do things. Your behavior, again, we're going to behavior, right? It's important to do that. And, and you have a system. Now, yeah. now, now, I want to just to go back. You dropped the weight. How long did yes. it take you, for, by the way? It probably took me about, like, to keep, so I, I say it took about six years, right? But the reality is to, like, actually, when I got to, because I would lose, say, 40 pounds, gain 20, lose 30, gain 40, that kind of thing. But in reality, I'll, I'll put it this way. If I knew then what I know now, it would take me less than a year to lose 100 pounds. Well, the reason I'm asking this is because, for people watching and listening, you have to understand that some people want overnight results. Yeah, there's no <laughs> so, Amazon Prime for this, man. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so I, I wanted to just highlight it because, you know, the concept, of, to your point, depending where you are and how you behave and how you do things, you can make it, but it's still going to take time. And, and, and you have to just allow it to take its course because if you don't, you know, yeah. you're going to have that feeling like nothing's working and you're just going to give up. Yeah. You know, you have to be aware, like it's, it's, it's a, it's, this is not a, a sprint. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I think people need to understand that. Kind of, and, and you can yeah. share that with us clearly in, in, through well, the platform. So like, it makes sense why we want to sprint. Right. So like, this is why I was stuck yo-yo dieting for so long because, okay, I have this weight. I, I hate myself and I hate my body and, oh, you know, I'm in pain every day. I can't sleep. Everything aches and so on. I just want this problem gone. But for every action, there's a reaction. If you push your body to the extreme, your body will rebound in the extreme. 
And this is why you, you, you see this huge swing in weight loss and weight regain because your body is fighting to keep you alive. You see, the other thing is the changes have not taken place in your brain. So you can force your body to create this change, but your brain has not caught up. And so ultimately your habits and behaviors are going to drive you right back to where you were before. And so it comes back to this concept of like, if, if whatever it is you're trying to do has an expiry date, like I'm going to go on a 90 day diet or a 21 day fix or a 30 day challenge or whatever, if there's an expiry date, your results have an expiry date because you haven't changed who you are and how you're living. That process of transformation is almost impossible to do by yourself. And it's why I coach. It's why coaching is a thing because like trying to fix yourself is like trying to bite your own teeth. It doesn't work because you're stuck in your own head. Well, and, and does the, the concept where you went ahead and, and started your own thing because yeah. now you, you figured out now, did you actually use anybody to help? I you did. Right? Okay. Absolutely. So, yeah. It was, it was really, and I, I can't highlight like the power of that enough because we're, we're very often afraid to ask for help now. Okay. Could you do it yourself? Yes. If I tried to do it, if like, and I tried hiring coaches, I tried doing it myself. It wasn't until I met a coach that really connected with me the way that, um, the way that I needed to be connected with that it went click right? If I, if I'd kept trying to do it by myself, by process of painful trial and error, I probably would have eventually fought and scrapped and clawed and got my way here. But when you hire a coach, you dramatically shorten the process. It's, it's like, I mean, I say to my clients, like I'm a tour guide. I'm not a Sherpa. In other words, I can't carry your backpack for you. I can't take all your problems, magically solve them and hand them back to you. That's very disempowering, right? That's not, you did not grow and change from that experience, but I take you on this journey. And because you go on this journey with me and you're not alone in this journey, your brain is willing to go through that change. But if you feel alone in this journey, your brain will self-sabotage and repeat, retreat back to where it feels safe and secure. And that's the old familiar habits and behavior patterns that are keeping you stuck. <laughs> well, well, so, so I, first of all, I love your analogies. <laughs> I'm not too good. I'm a too good. Not sure, but we just basically simply listen, I can yeah. take it to the water, but you, you, I mean, you, you take the holes, to the water, but they have to, <laughs> you yeah. can't make them drink same concept, right? They have to earn that. They have to feel it. Right. And uh, you know, but, but the concept of selecting a coach here, right. That's yeah. a key. And, and, and I think a lot of people, sometimes there are a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have to, to do your research. You have to figure it out. People who have been there, who know, who experienced it. I think that's really, you know, what it is. And that's where we're here yeah. today. You know, so we're exposing you think, your services to the world. And, and here's what I would say is, is not everybody that applies to work with me is that's not a guarantee that I'm going to work with you. The reason I get fantastic results with my clients is because I work with clients. I know I can help. If I know that I can't help you, if you have a problem that's outside of my area of expertise, if, you know, I have the textbook knowledge, let's say, for example, you want to prepare for a photo shoot, you want to look, you know, paper thin skin, you want to look shredded, oiled, ripped, whatever, I could help you get there, but it's not what I do. I have the, I have the textbook knowledge to get you there, but really I would say, no, you do not want to hire me. You want to hire somebody else who that's what they specialize in. And that's what they do for me. It's like, if you've tried losing weight, like more than once, if you've lost and regained weight, if you feel like you're never going to lose weight again, if you feel like you're stuck and you can't seem to break free, you can't get out of your own head. You say things like, I know what to do, but I can't seem to do it. You want to have a conversation with me because I think I will be able to change your entire perspective on all of this. Well, I'm sure you do your assessments and you, yeah, you, kinda, yeah. you, you discover, you know, the person's you know, uh, behavior, you know, goals, targets, yeah. and all that. But you know, it's it's important because the concept that you're talking about is there are people that, like we said. By the way, I appreciate the way you said it because that is true 
business and salesmanship and also pure customer service. Yeah. Because the fact is, not every customer is right for you and, and you're not right. And, and so, and like we say, there's a product oh, for everyone just, and there's I, everyone I would, for every product. I would just get frustrated if I'm working with, or what if you're a pro athlete or a power lifter or something like that? Like those are not the kind of people that I want to work with. I bet you're great people. I'd probably enjoy having a beer with you, but you're not the kind of person that I'm best suited to work with. And, and so you kind of, now I will say this though. I, when I was trying to get help, I didn't know what I needed. And so I kind of had to go through this process. If I tried this coach and it didn't work, I tried this coach and it didn't work. And so on. elimination process, <laughs> right? You might have that experience where you, not every client that even starts with me necessarily. Some of my clients have been with me two, three years, other clients, they might stay for a month or two and go, Hey, you know what? This isn't mm. quite the right time or the right fit. And I will do my best to point them in the direction of somebody else who is a better, better fit for them. And you know, that works from a business standpoint, that works in my favor too, because let's just say I can't help somebody, but I point them in the direction of a, a coach that helps you still them helping them. Yeah. And the, the coach is happy because I, I help them find another client. The client is happy because they're getting that life changing transformation. Like this is why we do this. They're going to remember me and they're going to say, they're going to meet somebody else who would actually be a good fit. And they're going to, they're going to say, Hey, you know what? You should talk to this guy. And I, believe it or not, those are principles I actually teach in sales and when we do training. Yeah, you you can help someone by not enrolling them, by not putting them in one pro product Love or it. service. Yeah. You can help them by giving them the right service, even if it's not yours. And you know what? They will remember that because that's honesty, that's honor, ethical, and the right way. And people remember that they will come back to you. They will refer people to you as as they they see fit. But if you did the other way around. They will yeah. ruin your reputation. By the way, that's an important thing. Oh, man. <laughs> you got to maintain a good, right? <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to mess with people because they will actually put you down quickly. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and it takes yours to build a good reputation. It takes minutes to actually destroy it. So, so yeah. understand those rules and, and, and how you, you do things. So, so Jonathan, I wanted to just to touch on something else. The, the combination of a lot of things. I mean, we talked about weight loss right now and, and the strategy and the coaching part of it and selecting, you know, and, and, but, but there are other elements that people sometimes, you know, have to consider as well. Do you use those elements? Do you take those in consideration, such as, you know, fitness programs and things like that? Because people, you know, nutrition by itself is one thing. Yeah. Uh, doing, doing certain programs of weight loss is one thing, but, but people may not be active, you know, and things like that, or they might need some sort of a fitness com component added to that. Is that something that you consider, that you use? Uh, do you deal with that at all? In a limited capacity. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is like, I, I used to do like training programming for people as well, mm -hmm. but I realized I was kind of like splitting. I was like splitting my energy into two divergent paths. So I will, within my program, I have a whole library and catalog of like workouts from ever from beginner to expert, from home workout to gym workout and stuff. And people can choose a program and I want to know what they're doing for training because that helps me tailor what I'm doing around the nutrition and, and the mindset and the psychology piece, because everything is connected to everything. But I'm not, I'm, so I help people, let's say, decide on a program, but I'm not necessarily doing like sets and reps, let me adjust your sets. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing a technician sort of capacity. And so that's where, for example, if someone says, you know, I want to train for an obstacle course race, I'm going to point you in the direction of an OCR coach or an obstacle course racing coach. Mm -hmm. If somebody says like, I want to, you know, power lift or this or that. And so, yes, I do factor exercise into it. Yes, I give advice on it, but I've moved away from the realm of personal training because I wanted my focus and my expertise to be more specialized around this behavioral psychology and the nutrition piece. And, and, and I appreciate that. I mean, that's, that's important to know because people need to, to understand there's, yeah. there's, there's a whole different, you know, there are options. 
And yeah, sometimes totally. you can have multiple tools to utilize at the same time. The reason I'm asking this is a lot of people, you know, because the full picture is you want to have nutrition, you want to have, you know, uh, a good diet concept, you want to have yeah. which which touches in that you want to have some sort of a, a, a workout, you know, you know, regimen yeah. that you actually have. So a lot of things because, you know, a little bit of exercise detoxification is another thing that is important to the body. Sure. And yeah. So all these things are, are key. But but by using the right approach to the food and stuff without going crazy, you can still be able to achieve those. And, I, and, and, and I, you said it earlier, I think we, we had a, a quick exchange about you can leave the way, the way it is. You might not tone the muscle or whatever, but, but the key here, it was talking about the weight loss specifically mm -hmm. and maintaining yeah. that, that fat, not coming back, everything else you can do to build the, the, the stamina, the muscle and all the stuff. There's more to it. And that's actually beyond the run, but you can guide people towards it. And Absolutely. that's important. And, I mean, and there's a lot of things available out there. Oh, it's absolutely. Like, I mean, I train with kettlebells. I train with, I do cardio training. I do resistance band training. There you, know, you go. Like I'm, I'm well-versed in this stuff because I used to be involved in personal training. So it's not that I don't have the knowledge, but it's like, if, if it's not where I wanted it. So there's an old Chinese proverb that says something like he who chases two rabbits catches neither. <laughs> and so it's this idea, it. right. So if we're trying to chase two, so we want to connect the dots, but in the same token, it's like, um, if you're, let's say, again, I go back to the example, if you want to train for a powerlifting competition, yes, your nutrition is going to matter, but your, your training, it's going to be connected to what are your training cycles? Like I have a coach that I refer to, she trains and has trained Olympic athletes. So she is like phenomenal. I have another coach that I refer to who is a gut health specialist. Hey, I'm having issues with my digestion and my bowel movements and things like that. Cool. Here's a gut health coach to go to and that kind of thing. And so it really is about, you know, um, finding what it is that you want, what's the outcome you want and saying, this is the right person to connect you to. And so sometimes we will collaborate. So sometimes I bring this gut health coach on to work with me with a client. So maybe they don't need to work one-on-one -on -one with his gut health coach, but they need a couple of consultations with it. Sometimes we need, you know, a little bit of help with the programming. So I'll, I'll set them up, get the programming set up and then bring them back into my, you know, so there's, I believe in collaboration as opposed to competition, because I know that I'm good enough at what I do and I know who I serve and how I help them that I don't mind like sharing that around and connecting people because ultimately the goal is to, to get the person, the outcome they're looking for. And, and by the way, that is again, top notch, because that's the right way to do it. You're, you're limiting yourself to what you actually, you want to focus on and you do, you don't not, you do not mind sharing, you know, and helping yeah. people other and, and well, you know, collaborating and, and partnering yeah. with other people to help, you know, your clients. And that's actually great. Um, you know, so, so now I, I know you, you feel great. You've been feeling good. You know, you've changed your own life and now you've changed a lot of people's lives. Now in the last two years, the pandemic hit well yeah. two years ago it started and uh, you know it's yeah, still yeah. around to a degree <clears throat> now have you seen any spikes uh and 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 challenges throughout that time frame you know with people you know because a lot of people were home yeah <laughs> talking about you know eating crazy and things like that so yeah. so was there any impact you know and or or was it good i mean i'm sure it's good for business but <laughs> yeah so so for me interestingly not a whole lot changed well okay something dramatically changed and that is what we had our first child so so that that flipped my entire world congrats, on its head. Congrats. thank you yeah and we're nine we're nine months into parenthood now and it's hard to believe i'm like oh my gosh uh, um, but I, I love this human being this little miniature human more than like words could ever express so my own personal life so that was flipped on its head i really had to shift 
like what I put my energy into. And this is why I specialize more and more because I had to be more focused in, on the energy I could put into my business because I needed to support my wife recovering from giving birth and, and nursing and waking up in the middle of the night and so on. I needed to, so I had to manage my energy better. So in that sense, yes, I would say I had to become a little more thoughtful about it. I knew it about month six or seven when I started producing my own podcast um, that I was, my energy was coming back. I was starting to get a little more sleepy, starting to sleep a bit more regularly. We're kind of into a rhythm of being parents now. You know, it's not like we're experts nine months in or anything, but you know, we at least have a feel for how, you know, how this goes. And so that meant I could kind of really dive back into it. But I kind of, for a period of time, I really just focused on serving the current clients I had without necessarily looking for new clients because my clients stay with me for six to nine months on average. Um, it's now going into 2022. I'm like, okay, now I'm set to bring on more clients again. And I'm actually kind of excited about that. And so, pardon me, it's in one sense, not a lot changed from a business perspective because I was already running an online business, but my whole life personally changed. And I really had to simplify a lot of things that I was doing. All right. That answers that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's a simple, uh, but, but, you know, I, I just, you know, cause the pandemic has obviously had a, a nice impact oh, on a lot of folks. Man, uh, like and, people and, have lost their jobs. People have lost their livelihood. Like businesses have been shut down. Um, people ate a lot of food and watched a lot of Netflix. Like, so I've seen that, like the quarantine 15 turning into the quarantine 45, that kind of thing. So I do have people coming to me for those reasons. So, but you're right. In one sense, there have been kind of surges. So when there were government payments, essentially, we call them CERB here in Canada, Canadian Economic Relief Benefits Program or whatever, and people had some money coming in, they were more inclined to, let's say, reach out and look to see if, if they could hire me. When those kind of dried up, and people were uncertain about their sort of economic future, things kind of slow down a little bit because people are like, well, I don't know. right, exactly. And so we definitely see that. Uh, I mean, I feel lucky that like I've had a pretty stable business throughout. I haven't, you know, um, because there have been a lot of businesses that have failed, but I think it comes down to a lot of things we've talked about here. I'm passionate about what I do. I know who I serve. Um, I serve them phenomenally well. Um, these sorts of things are what help a business weather difficult stretches. Listen, and, and I think I think people watching, listening right now, uh, if you're in the business world, I mean that's exactly how it is. I, I have to say, I have to commend you for for your strategy, your the way you apply your business practice is 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 awesome and, and top notch. And I think that man. is a big deal. I mean, again, coming from me, it may not be much, but but I can no, tell you, lot, man. appreciate uh, it. I, thank you. <laughs> what what I mean is that you know. Um, Sometimes people, you know, seek an advice from, you know, a big business, you know, entity sure, and, yeah, and a yeah. fame, you know, but, but at the end of the day, I, I do believe in, in those principles that you apply and I use them in my career path as well. And I try to keep those concepts, but, but again, you're true to yourself. You, you're, you're obviously confident know your stuff you you and nobody can can tell you that you don't know what you're talking about because you've been through it yeah yeah <laughs> and, and you transform yourself and you can and, and that's the other thing like you took this and i've had this very similar experiences throughout a lot of guests where they experience things themselves and they become the best and the champions do it and they actually become the best you know at fixing other people's problems that's similar because now you're doing it because you have been there like yeah. been there, done that. And I know what it feels like. And you want to change the world. Then you don't want them to experience, you know, some of the things that you've experienced. And that's actually coming from the right place because no, a lot of people can talk about things, but unless yeah. you experience things like, you know, I, I have this, this dilemma all the time, but people talk, Oh, like in sales, everybody wants to be a sales experts. Yeah. Right. How much experience do you have in sales? Uh, never, never sold a thing in my life. Oh, okay. 
So, right. and here's what I'd say. So, <laughs> so it's easier to teach someone how to do a backflip than it is to learn how to do a backflip. But, and so I, I try to remind people that there's a lot of armchair experts out there. The other side of it is I can work with people the way that I do because I know very intimately what it feels like because there's things you can't learn from a textbook. There's things you can't learn from a course. You simply have to have that lived experience. And so you've done this inside out, backwards and sideways and upside down, and you had all the highs and the lows. And so you can't replicate that from a, from a textbook. And so, yeah. Well, you'll have a second copy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you just buy another copy. It's not going to give you anything. Well, I swear I had this discussion earlier at, at, you know, at a meeting and we had the same topic. It's funny. It was not even rehearsed, but but it was exactly about that. You can talk about all this, but my theory is one thing, practice another. I mean, people yeah. learn theory and they know they think they can do it. How much practice do you have? I mean, in the real world, things are different. Yeah. You know, you can like I can tell you this set is this and the other. But once you're in it and something goes wrong, oops. Yeah. Well, if you haven't experienced it, what are you going to do now? You know, you got to look in your book and see like, how do I fix it? That may be too late. <laughs> I mean, it's like, too, for the time being, it will be too late. You might fix it later. But yeah. Again, but that's it's the like, difference. It's like why, why, why doctors go to med school, but then they do a residency. You go to med school to learn the, the textbook stuff, but now you got to try and put it into practice where you're being, you're being kind of watched over. Um, or you think about an apprenticeship. I, I've often said to people, would you rather have someone who spent four years reading a book about it or four years learning the same thing, but in the real world? I personally will take the real world anytime because uh, yeah. nothing beats that experience and the real hands-on and the understanding of what it takes and, and the little things that may, you know, may have been missed in the book. <laughs> yeah, because you know, yeah. the book will give you concepts. You know that's great, but but yeah. you know, oh my God, I what happened here? It yeah. can be a simple thing and be like, ooh. But that's that's the thing. Like people have to seek that knowledge, and you know, again, by looking and searching and finding out about who they're dealing with, they will understand that. Uh, so, Jonathan, I mean, we've exceeded the hour and, <laughs> just a little bit. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, it's been real. I mean, I, I really want to continue the discussion and and listen. It's it's really great. I and uh, we'll just uh, have to connect again, man. We do. We will. We will probably have to do that. And and it, but it's fun. I mean, you have a concept that is real. It makes sense. People can use, and if they're watching and listening, can use the the your concept, your you know analogies, your the way you've treated yourself in a way. And, yeah. and also they can reach out to you. Hey, we're yeah. here on this, the show people. If you have you know a need for someone to help you, well, we have Jonathan with us and, and actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will have his link, you know, and I think you have a book too, don't you? Uh, cr called crush your cravings. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. you can ch check out the book as well and, 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 and yeah. read about it and read out about Jonathan and his experience. But, you know, you're looking for somebody to help you get through those, you know, to weight loss and get you where you need to be. If this is what you're looking for, we have the right, you know, person yeah, yeah. to do it and help you through it. So absolutely. Yeah, it's been a well, real pleasure, man. It, it, pleasure to mind. So Jonathan, just before we wrap it up, yeah. is there anything you want to add as to just to close the, the, the show today? Well, very often, kind of the advice I like to give is that awareness is the first step to change. So becoming aware of the unhelpful behaviors you have. Action is the second step. So first you have to you have to picture it in your head. Because there's nothing that's ever been created that hasn't first been pictured in your head. But then you have, to, you have to take what you picture in your head and you have to start creating it through action. So awareness is step one, action is step two. That's how you create life-changing transformation. 
I'll take that. We'll take that. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us. And it's been real. It's been fun. Folks, thank you for watching the iHealth channel, the Fit and Fab channel, and listening on the Hyatt Radio. We'll be talking soon. New show, new guest, new topic. Bye now.